Good morning. Welcome to First United Methodist Church. I'm Pastor Brenda Brooks-Alexander, Associate Pastor of Service. Welcome to the gathering in the sanctuary. Yay. Welcome to those of you that are joining us online. We hope that as you come into the sanctuary for the gathering, you stopped by Wesley Hall and you picked up your coffee or your breakfast burrito and you are ready for worship. So we're glad you're here. I want to remind you that at the end of every pew, this is going to be a little different for us this morning, you are going to fill out your attendance in the attendance pad. So we are passing the pads this morning and from here on, so make sure that you register your attendance. All of our songs, responses uh, will be on the screens here in the sanctuary and on your device at home. Crossroads Singers Concert will be tonight, tonight from 6 to 7 p.m., and it will also be live streamed. So if you don't plan to attend, you can catch it on live stream. Our youth kickoff party is tonight from 5.30 to 7.30. If you have a youth, you want them to be in the building as we kick off our youth this fall. And so that will be held in the Justice Building. Again, as we talked about the, just, the uh, Wesley Hall being our hospitality room, we want you to know that it's also going to be live streamed in the Wesley Hall. And if you have a small child and you need to go to a place for them so that they can feel free to run around, you can go back to Wesley Hall and you can enjoy the service that is going to be live streamed there as well. But know that you are always welcome to keep them here and we love the noise. So feel free. All right, join me now for our call to worship. Would you stand? Come, all you people, come and worship. God has made a come, all creatures on the earth, come and worship. Remember the covenant and be thankful. God remembers the covenant and is in the wayside lost on a lonely road I was chasing the highlight trying to satisfy my soul all the lies I believed in left me crying like the rain then I saw lightning from heaven I found a world of freedom. I found 
Wonderful. You look wonderful. Uh, so glad you're joining us online. If you're here, if you're here on Fifth Street, on our beautiful, in this beautiful sanctuary that we've now moved into for the gathering, we're so glad that you're here with us. My name is Clint Church. Uh, if we don't, if we've never met. I'm one of the worship leaders here, along with the gathering band here. Uh, we're just excited that you're here to worship with us. I'm going to invite you all to take a seat really quick. Um, so I've... Uh, I've been a worship leader for, I don't know, about uh, 15, 20 years or so. And uh, every once in a while, there's songs that, that come along uh, that really hit, um, hit the gospel on, on the head. Like, it's, it's perfect. Like, this is, sums up the gospel so well. Um, and this is one of those songs. I heard it a few weeks ago. It's brand new. Um, it's by a guy named Zach Williams, and um, if you've ever heard of him, he's on the radio a lot. If you listen to that KLTY stuff or 
Spotify or Apple Music, whatever you listen to, um, you might find it. But this song's called Heart of God, and I want to um, read the chorus to you right here. Actually, just the first line. There's only love in the heart of God. And maybe you've been told something different uh, in your life, whether uh, it's by uh, another church or you've grown up a certain, uh, at a certain place that you just weren't told that God loves you. That maybe God has certain stipulations and all of that, but ultimately God is love, and that's what this song is about. This song is called The Heart of God.
Amen, amen. Everyone, welcome. I'm so glad you have joined us either in person here in our Fish Street campus, anywhere in the world online. I'm thankful that you're here. If this is your first time ever at the gathering, it's always kind of hard for me to describe what the gathering is. People will say, like, is it your contemporary service? And it's like, well, there's, there's drums. Um, <laughs> and I do go change out of tennis shoes into fancier shoes for the 11 o'clock service, but it's, so it's contemporary-ish, but it's also got a lot of very traditional elements. For example, the service is really liturgical. There's always liturgy speaking back in the midst of the service. And we're also very sacramental. The service is always built around sacraments, these elements that Christ has given us, things like the sacrament of Holy Communion, which we receive every single time we come together and worship, and also the sacrament of Holy Baptism. We have baptisms over and over and over again in the life of our church because it's a chance to taste and to touch and to feel and to know the life of Christ present in the life of our families and our children and all of us. And I was talking with Elaine who helps organize worship here at the church this morning and, and we brought up a conversation, something I don't think I've ever mentioned, and that is every time we refill our baptismal font, we put more water in it, we always make sure to include water from the River Jordan the very river, the very place where Jesus himself was baptized. So people baptized here in this church have a little bit of River Jordan water as well as a part of their baptism, drawing them all together. So it's in that spirit that I want to invite the church family forward for the baptism of their children. Hey, nice to meet you. Have we met before? Yeah, hey. I'm hey, Lance. I'm Lance. <laughs> nice to meet you. Ford, if you'll stand right over there next to your mom. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All of this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Maura Jane and Ford Scott Church for baptism. So now, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sins? If so, say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, all nations, and all races? If so, say, I do. I do. And finally, will you nurture Moira and Ford in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, to profess their faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? If so, say, I will. All right, Ford, so you're pretty much a grown-up at this point. Mm -hmm. So, Ford, I'm going to invite you, Lola, if you'll come around. Ford, if you want to kneel down right there, Pastor Brenda's going to bring the bowl. Ford, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and pray God's richest blessings upon you now and every day of your life. Amen. If you'd place a hand on Ford with me. Oh, not done yet. All good. <laughs> Ford Scott, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Hey, Moira, you want to kneel too, or can I do that? Hey. Moira Jane, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and pray God's richest blessings upon you now and every day of your life. Amen. Would you place a hand on her with me? 
Ford and Lola, you too? Moira Jane, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, mom's right there. That's okay. Y'all, what a blessing. What a blessing not only to baptize children, what a blessing to not only have children in the life of our church, but what a blessing for us to get to dedicate our lives to modeling and showing what it is for children to be surrounded by the steadfast love of God every single day. If you're one of the people who wants to support Ford and support Moira and support Lola and support all children in knowing what it is to be loved and accepted for who they are and shown what it is to walk in the footsteps of Christ, would you indicate so with a round of applause? Congratulations, buddy. Good morning, friends. My name is Mike Marshall. I'm one of the pastors here, or as Ford knows me from Vacation Bible School, my name is Foggy. (laughs) And I'm very happy to be here. And this part of worship is called Prayers of the People. This is an opportunity for us to, to take a deep breath, to forget about the busyness of the morning or maybe what's on your list for later in the day. This is a chance for us to remind ourselves and one another that we are always in contact with God and we communicate with God in so many ways and God always listens. Now, throughout prayers of the people, there'll be times when I'll say the phrase, Lord, in your mercy, and then our response together is, hear our prayers. Let's practice that for a moment. Lord, in your mercy, Here are prayers, spot on. There also is going to be a place in the service where I'm going to lift up a number of first names of people who have been in the hospital or who have requested prayer. And I will also mention with the phrase life and legacies, some who have died and gone on to be with God. And then I will say at a certain point, are there others? it's a great chance for any of you out loud to say the name of someone who is important to you. So with all that in mind, friends, let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for this new day. And on this new day for many of us as we entered downtown, if we went by Burnett Plaza, we saw American flags, we saw people gathering, We saw first responders. And it's a reminder that today on September 11th, we continue to give thanks for all who serve. And we continue to give thanks for being part of this nation, this community. And may we live our lives in ways where we honor one another. Lord, there's so much new beginning today And so we confess that sometimes we miss those things, and we ask you to help us be alert. We ask you to help us see your presence in the faces and the lives of others. Father God, you are the creator of all things, and you call them good. Your creation testifies about your power, grace, and love. You offer us new lives, new hopes, and new opportunities. For all these things, we give you thanks. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Everything that you create, you make free. But over and over again, our freedom is used for the purposes of sin and separation from you. And yet, at our worst, you did not abandon us. You came alongside with us as Jesus the Christ to redeem us, reconcile us, and restore us to relationship with you forever. For this salvation, we give you thanks, O God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Always and everywhere, we are never alone. Through your Holy Spirit, you guide us, inspire us, and shine a light before our feet so that we may learn to walk in your ways. For this constant presence, we give you thanks, O God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For Susan, Jenny, Wendell, Dee, Martin, Len, baby Stephen, and Sharon, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And for the lives and the legacies of Mark, John, Don, Kate, George Ann, Marlon, and Bishop John Russell, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Are there any others? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For all who seek to change their hearts and find peace in you, guide us, keep us, and make us into your people. And Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen. And this is the time in our service where, as our ushers begin to come forward, this is an opportunity for us to express our faith and our gratitude to God through the morning offering a way for us to say, God, what we have is a gift from you, and we seek to share a portion of this gift with others, with the community. And this morning, I want to remind you that as a community, one of the things we do is try to offer discipling groups. We have lots of different small groups. We have grace groups. We have classes. We have peer groups. It's the place where, these are the places where others know us and we know others. And it's such an important way for us to grow in our faith. And so your gifts this morning help to enable these groups to continue to flourish so that those who are new to our community may find their place. And so thank you for your gifts today and in all the days to come. Let me offer this quick prayer. Gracious God, for what we give, we give you thanks, knowing that each individual gift is multiplied through others around us and through your incredible love. And so as your children, we offer all these to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. It's on page 7 in your pew Bibles. God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I am now setting up my covenant with you and with your descendants and with every living being with you, with the birds, with the large animals, and with all the animals of the earth, leaving the ark with you. I will set up my covenant with you so that never again will all life be cut off with floodwaters. There will never again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the symbol of the covenant that I am drawing up between me and you and every living thing with you on behalf of every future generation. I have placed my bow in the clouds. It will be the symbol of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember the covenant between me and you and every living being among all the creatures. Floodwaters will never again destroy all creatures. The bow will be in the clouds, and upon seeing it, I will remember the enduring covenant between God and every living being of all the earth's creatures. God said to Noah, this is the symbol of the covenant that I have set up between me and all creatures on earth. God speaks to us through the reading of scripture. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to First Church. I am so thankful that you're here. Before we consider today's scripture and today's reading, I want to say words of thanks. I want to say word of thanks to our hospitality team who's spent weeks figuring out how to make the best use of Wesley Hall. I want to th say thanks to our greeting team. I want to say thanks to all the tech folks who are connecting us here in person and live online over in Wesley Hall. Folks that are in Wesley Hall, good morning. I'm glad to see you this morning. I want to thank all of the folks who are with the army of teenagers in youth ministry this morning. I want to thank the army of saints who are serving in children's ministry this morning. The classrooms are full. What a blessing. I want to thank the gathering band. Can you tell that this is like my favorite day of the year? Yeah, I am so pumped. I love today. I got like no sleep last night. The sermon is a mess, but God is good. I am so thankful. Texas can almost beat Bama. Anything is possible. Miracles are all, I'm, I'm never so thankful for an almost miracle. <laughs> Life is so good. I also want to point out, I asked Scott if it would be okay. Scott Hackler, who just read uh, our scripture reading, if you don't know Scott, uh, Scott's a wonderful member of our congregation, and he's also uh, part of a special group in our congregation. We have four members of our church, FEMC Fort Worth, who have discerned that God is calling them into ordained ministry, and are in the process of going through the ordination process in the United Methodist Church, and going to seminary. We have two more people from our congregation who have felt that call and are starting that process. Let's praise God for God calling people out of this church to go and serve elsewhere. And I just want to ask, is it you? Is God calling you? Right? Maybe God's calling you. The work is hard, but the benefits are good. They err on the, like, eternal side, but still, good. Real good. So I've been thinking about this message all week long. It's the start of the year, really, for the church. It's the start of the year. This is kind of our New Year's, and 
Uh, we have scripture planned out for the rest of the year, the sermon series and the focuses that we're going to have. And here in these first few months of this season, we're going to be focusing on some really key stories from the Hebrew Bible, these Old Testament stories that do a lot to reveal who God is, God's character, God's posture towards humanity. And these are the stories we're going to focus on because understanding them is key to helping us understand what God has fulfilled in Christ. And so I want to focus on some of these stories, and I've been thinking about them a lot, and a really powerful illustration happened in my life just yesterday. So uh, yesterday was a really full day, you know, weekend days when you have families and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yesterday evening, I needed to be at the church. I was officiating a wedding here at the church for a wonderful couple, and my wife needed to be at a college football game. Uh, Five dollars if you can guess which one. Um, and uh, I don't want to say whose fault it was. Um, I don't want to say who it was that dropped the ball on communication. Uh, but one of us forgot to say that he had a wedding that he needed to go officiate. <laughs> and, uh, and so we figured that out later than optimal, um, that there was going to be a moment where uh, our house full of children was going to have no adults present. And... So that needed to get worked on, and it was no big deal. It was absolutely no big deal because my wife picked up her phone, made one call, and it was figured out. Because we have wonderful neighbors who are friends with our kids. Their, their kids are friends with us. We have a relationship with them, and it was just going to be a short period of time. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. Bring the kids over. Let us watch them. No big deal. We would love to do it. And our kids were like, this is way better than hanging out with y'all. So... They were really pleased to do it. It was no big deal whatsoever. And I was thinking about, man, what a blessing that is. Any of y'all have neighbors like that or friends like that who can just show up in a moment like that? Because I was, I was thinking about it. I mean, my kids are, are everything, right? They're the most important thing. And to be able to have people on a short notice like that, you can just trust with something like that. That's incredible. And what's even more amazing is they're not the only people that we could have called. I mean, there's other people too that I can trust with my kids on short notice. I mean, what a blessing that is to have people like that. I hope you have people like that. And if you're in a season where it feels like you don't, know that this isn't forever. And I'm thinking about the way I feel about them, how trustworthy they are, how much I appreciate them, and what that makes me want to be for them. Because of, of course I picked up the kids, and what's the first thing I said? Thank you, and if I can ever return the favor, right? If I can ever return the favor, let me know. I want to be that for you, too. I was thinking about how much I trust them. And I was thinking about, I'm so blessed to have so many other people that I trust. I mean, if push comes to shove, there's absolutely people I would trust with my house. If they need to come in and take care of it, there's people, if push came to shove, I would trust them with my bank account information or passwords. You know, I would trust them with my dog, right? Do you have to trust people with your cat? I'm not a cat guy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not slamming on cats. It's just my understanding that most cats are pretty cool if you take off for a couple days. <laughs> I was thinking about how much I trust them because they're trustworthy. And I was thinking about how that made me feel about them and what that made me want to be for them in return. So that's the question I want you to think about for a second. Is there anybody that you trust like that? How does that make you feel towards them? And how does that make you want to act towards them or be towards them in return? And it's funny because I trust those people so much, so much, and love them so much, and I'm so appreciative of them. And yet every single one of them, I mean, there's a chance 
that they could let me down. There's a chance that they could betray my trust. I mean, it's, it's possible, technically. I'm not naive. It's unlikely. They've proven themselves to be trustworthy, and yet they're still human. They're not perfect. But what if they were perfect? What if they were totally and completely trustworthy? What if there's no way they could ever betray your trust? How much more then? So, I'm thinking about that, that, that leads me into the beginning of today's message. We haven't even gotten started yet. Good luck. <laughs> and there's this concept I want you to, to understand as we're reading through today's scripture, we're reading through other scriptures that are the key portion of this sermon series, which I've called the power of the promise. And I use the word promise because it's a little more native to the kind of words that we use walking around every day. But the real word I want you to think about is covenant. Covenant. It was right there in our scripture reading today. The word covenant. And covenant's a churchy word, right? I mean, if you're, uh, you know, in the house and it's like, all right, you have to do your homework after you're done with your video games, okay? Okay, yeah, absolutely. Do you covenant? <laughs> no. That's not the word that we use. The word that we use is promise, but covenant's a bigger and richer word than promise. It doesn't perfectly apply to the kind of words that we use every day, but there's two things that come close. There's two things that come close to the concept of covenant in our everyday life. One of them happened right here in this spot last night. It happens over and over again in the life of our church. And two people came together at the altar, and they did so after years of being together and dedicating themselves to each other. And even though they were already sharing every aspect of their life they could possibly share, they held hands with each other, and they looked into each other's eyes. And in the name of God— in the name of God and in the presence of God, they promised, they covenanted to be with each other, to be there for each other, to support each other, to help each other, to be loyal to each other as long as they both shall live. I know that they did because they repeated the words I told them to say. That's a covenant. It's more than just a promise, right? It's more than just a commitment. It's a covenant. The second closest thing that we have, that's not a perfect relationship, but it helps us kind of understand what a covenant is, is a contract. Is a contract. We don't, we don't enter into contracts lightly, do we? Unless it's like an iTunes user agreement. Yeah, 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 fine. But for the most part, we don't enter into contracts lightly. I mean, we read it, we reflect on it, we negotiate it, right? Because once you sign, once you commit, once you put your name down, I mean, you are in. Contracts and marriage vows are the closest thing that we do on a regular basis or we see happening around us that portray the elements that we're trying to talk about when we talk about covenant. But here's the difference. We've all seen contracts broken, right? We've all seen vows broken, right? What does it mean to have a covenant? What does it mean to have a vow? What does it mean to have a contract with one who you know would never, could never break that covenant? How does that make you feel towards them? What does that make you want to be for them? So, our scripture reading today uh, is a very foundational text in the Bible. You can tell because anytime we're like, hey, we're reading scripture, turn to page single digits. You know it's pretty early on. 
in the Bible. And the story that we talk about is Noah in the flood or the story in the flood. It is capital T true. It is absolutely true in exactly the same way that the story of the creation of earth and the universe and everything in it is capital T true in exactly the same way as the stories of the Garden of Eden are true. However, if you try to limit the truth of these stories to just journalism, you're really missing the point of what's happening here because God's creation is growing up and developing and becoming more aware and trying to understand who are we? Why are we here? What's the purpose of existence in the, in the first place? And when God's revealing the truth to God's people, stories of quarks and leptons and big bangs and multiverses and quantum foam and all of that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't even answer the question. So instead, God tells the story in the beginning. And it's a story of creation that's breathed into existence with the very breath of God, made in the image of a loving God for the purposes of knowing God and being with God. That's the actual story. That's the real, true answer to the question, why is there something instead of nothing? And when people are asking the question, why the brokenness? Why the hurt? Why the failure? Why the difficulty? Why the sinfulness? Why the distance? The only story, the true story that answers that question is the story of a garden and the possibility of a simple and perfect existence that is ultimately abandoned. And the story and the power of it is found not in the fact that it happened once, but that it continues to happen every single day. The story is capital T, true, and you have to understand it to understand who God is and who you are and how our story comes together. The same thing happens here in the story of the flood. And if you limit the truth of its story to journalism, you're going to get caught up pretty quickly on how many bugs can they actually fit in the boat. But in doing so, you miss the point of the story, the point of a story of a people who live in a world in which the entire world they know is frequently destroyed by forces they cannot understand. They're trying to understand how is it that we live in this world in which there is true terror and true reason for alarm and true cause to fear that this may all amount to nothing someday. And how do we reconcile that with the knowledge that we're not perfect and anything or anyone perfect who loves us is going to encounter difficulty in us? How do we hold these things together and how do we live faithfully and in trust? And so God tells them this, I'm never going to give up on you. I'm never going to turn away from you. I'm never going to erase everything. The things that you see only as destruction, I will use for recreation and restoration over and over and over again. And this sign that is in the clouds is a visual image, is a reminder, is a tangible testimony to you and to me that we are in this forever, no matter what. I was thinking this week as I was reading over this, and it was a, real, a fresh realization for me. I'm, I'm familiar with the story. I've seen it painted on a mural in a children's ministry more than once. But for the first time ever, I realized that in my life, how often do you see rainbows, right? Every once in a while in the clouds. Then I realized over in our house, there's like a water feature close by. Not like at my house. I have a water feature. Um, no. 
No, there's a pond in our neighborhood, and there's a rainbow there 24-7 because it's a fountain, right? And there's water coming down. I saw it with my, my oldest and my youngest as we went on a walk together yesterday, and I realized, God sees rainbows every moment of every day. There's hundreds of thousands of rainbows dotting creation at every single moment. And every single one of those is a consistent and constant testimony and promise from God, I am with you every single day. Destruction will never be the capricious end of all creation. You can trust in me and you can hope in me because where you see the end, I'm promising you, I'm not done with you yet. God makes this covenant, this promise with all of creation. Every person who's ever lived here, there, or everywhere. God goes on to make more promises. We're going to talk more about them in coming weeks. The promise to Abram and Sarai that through them and their faithfulness, all of creation is going to be blessed. His descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the sky. There's the covenant made with the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. We're going to talk about that. The shaping of what it is to be God's people and that you are special to me and you're set apart for my purposes of saving all people. There's covenants made to David that through his line, this restoration work is going to take place. And then, of course, through the cross and the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus, the covenant made with all of us that through faith in what God has done, we can receive and enjoy and trust in this salvation that's been offered to us no matter what. But the key thing for you to know, the key thing for you to hear in this, the takeaway for you today is that our God, the God, is a promise-making and promise-keeping God. That's the takeaway today. And y'all know me, I'm not a good enough preacher for you just to like me to think that you got the point. I have to tell you, here's the point. God is a promise-making and promise-keeping God. And the first thing God does is make a covenant to you, to your family, to your children, to your parents, to everyone you've ever seen or known or met. I'm not giving up on you. I'm not going to erase this thing. I'm not going to turn away from you. And it's starting right here. And the thing that you fear the worst that all of this is ultimately for nothing or is just an accident of existence, I'm placing the most beautiful thing in the sky so you can see it over and over and over again and know I'm still with you because I am not turning away. That's the promise that God makes toward you. So when I thought about all these other people in your life that are trustworthy, right? How does that make you feel toward them? And what does that make you want to be for them? My question for you today is, how does knowing that God, your God, is a promise-making and promise-keeping God, and God would never and could never let you down, God would never and could never break the promises that God has made to you or to your parents or to your children or to your friends, God would never and could never what does that make you want to be for God? Okay, so I was talking to someone the other day about uh, Methodists because I don't have a very um, large collection of things I'm qualified to talk about. I thought that was going to get more laughs. Um, and they were kind of trying, to, the, 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 the gist of the question was like kind of what's the Methodist flavor? right? What's the spin on the ball? And very long story made very short. One of the ways that I understand Methodism is 
very many, many portions of the Christian family tree originated over theological disputes, right? Arguments, they're wrong, we're right, we're going to start our own thing. Methodism's origin story is not based in theological dispute, it's based in practicality and the search for what actually changes our lives, what actually helps us experience spiritual growth and transformation, what results in holiness and piety in our lives in good ways, and what helps us change the world through that change in us, right? That's really the key thing that we do over and over again. And there's these gifts, these tools that we pass down from generation to generation to generation, not just because they're old, but because they work. That's key to the Methodist thing. And what I want to invite you in today is to a very particular Methodist practice, a uniquely Methodist thing, something that you're not going to experience in churches from other portions of the Christian family tree. It's a special prayer. It's called a covenant prayer. It's a prayer of promise. It's a prayer of us making promises back to God, of us entering into the relationship with God in the way that God would ask us to. It's the way of us hearing about who God is for us and us saying to all of that, God, yes, and more. And whatever else you have or want for me, God, in the midst of all of my failures and limitations, yes. The covenant prayer was originally used in Methodist services at a very particular service every year. It was used in the watch night services, which are the services where the church would come together and worship on New Year's Eve until midnight. And I think culturally the ship may have sailed on that (laughs) for us. I haven't heard a whole bunch of you really asking for an 11 p.m. New Year's Eve service, but if you do, please email Mike Marshall (laughs) at myfumc.org. The covenant prayer has been a part of the Methodist tradition for hundreds of years because it works. Because it works. Because it works about a change in us. Thinking about people that you trust, that you love, how does that make you view them? What does it make you want to be for them? How much more so for God? But how do you move from wanting to be that for God to actually feeling that way towards God, to having real material change in your life? Well, that's what I want to invite you into this month. I'm going to teach you a prayer here in a second. It's going to be up on the screens. I'm going to invite you to say it along with me. As you're exiting the doors today, some of our ushers are going to be handing you physical copies of the covenant prayer. Here's what I want for you. What I want for you is to take a physical copy of this. And every single day, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. You can leave it in the front of your car so that you pray it before you enter in your place of business or school every single day. Our tech team is going to email a copy of it out to you so you can make it the home screen on your phone. Over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to have little clings for you that you can put on your uh, bathroom uh, mirror or anything like that. I want you to pray this prayer every single day, and I want you to see what happens. I want you to see what happens in your life when every single day you take a conscious time, a moment of answering back into God the covenant invitation that God has extended to you. And I want you to see what happens. So some of you, you hear this invitation from the preacher. I'm giving you a prayer. I want you to take it home every single day and pray this prayer. And you go, awesome, sounds great. This really isn't for you then. This is for all the people who go, yeah, I'm not going to do that. This is for all the people who go, I appreciate it. I came to church more for the kolaches and less for the homework then this is for you. This is a chance for you to put into practice an orientation of your heart. I'm asking you to do it every single day for a month and see what happens.
As the covenant prayer comes up on the screen, this is the conclusion of our service. This is us entering into for the first time as a church, something that we're going to do every week for the next month together, and I'm going to ask you to do every single day. God is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. How does that make you feel toward God? What does that make you want to be for God in return? And how do we do it? Here's how we start. Would you pray with me? I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen. Great and loving God, we come together in the name of Jesus through the power of your Holy Spirit, trusting in your promises, knowing that you make them and keep them and invite us to join you in the life that you make possible for us. So Lord, it's following in the footsteps of Christ that we surrender ourselves to your way and your purposes in this world. Guide us, keep us, continue to shape us in Christ's image. And it's in his name we pray the words that he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As those who will be assisting with the serving of communion come forward, I want to remind you that we end with communion every single service because it's a chance to taste, touch, feel, and know the covenant work of God in our lives. On the day he was to give himself up for us, Christ had dinner with his apostles, his followers, and knowing what they would experience, know their reasons for doubting in the goodness of his promises or the faithfulness of his presence. He took the bread that was on the table, gave thanks over it, broke it and passed it and said, take all of you and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal was over, he took a cup of ordinary table wine, gave thanks over it, blessed it and passed it, said, take all of you and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant, the new promise, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so we eat and drink often in remembrance of the covenant given to us through Christ Jesus, promising that through him we have the reconciliation with God we so desperately need. Friends, this is not the gatherings table. It's not the First United Methodist Church's table. It's Christ's table. It is open to all people who desire an encounter with Christ's love and grace this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to dismiss you. I'm going to invite you to come forward row by row. You'll come up to one of the four stations up here with your hands held open like this. Someone with a food service glove will take a pre-sliced piece of bread and place it in your hand. Right next to them will be someone with a cup with non-alcoholic grape juice. We always use non-alcoholic juice so that will be fully in, in, uh, inclusive of people who take 
take sobriety very carefully. Uh, we will also have gluten-free stations for anyone who has a sensitivity to wheat. As you eat the bread and drink the juice, I want to invite you to return back to your seats. There's trash cans on the first floor behind those columns. That's where your cups go. Everybody who's in the balcony, what an amazing seat you have. You need to come downstairs for communion. <laughs> the table is set. The meal is ready. Come forward and be fed.
Amen, friends. I'm so thankful you're here. Two quick notes. First, we would love to pray with you. If there's something that you want to lift up in prayer, if there's something on your heart or on your mind or on your soul or in your life that you would like prayer for, don't walk away from this place. Julie's over by the Congregational Care Ministry sign, and please let her pray with you right now. We would love to end this service together with you in prayer if that's something that would bless you. I also want to remind you that the programming in the children's ministry goes until 1045, so if you would let them finish up, a reminder that over in Wesley Hall, there's coffee and breakfast tacos and things like that. Y'all let them watch the kids for a little bit more. Go over, say hello, please use that space as a chance every Sunday morning to visit with old friends and to make new ones. Also, if you're a first-time visitor or guest, we have a gift for you. If you walk through the doors in the rear of the sanctuary, across the garden into Wesley Hall, there's a station there called On Ramp. There's a maroon sign that says On Ramp. And there are volunteers who would love to answer any questions you have about becoming a member of this church, becoming a Christian, or if you've been here for a long time, finding your place of belonging in this church. We have gifts for you and for kids as well, so please go over there and say hello. Now, would you please bow your heads and receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face raise to shine upon you. And may you go from this place making and keeping covenants with your promise-making and promise-keeping God. Amen. Go in peace.